So there was a, there was a study do, done by a doctor named John Grotman, Grotman, G-R-O-T-T-M-A-N, pronounced that however. And he's a psychologist in the, in the States. And he would study uh, newlywed couples for about six years of their marriage, from the beginning to the end. And he was trying to, to, to understand connection. And he noticed one thing. After six years, many were divorced and many were still married. But he noticed one particularly thing. For the couples that were married, about 86% of the time, they would turn towards each other. But for those who were divorced, 36% of the time, roughly, they would turn away from each other. They would only turn towards each other for 36% of the time. Sorry. And that, that turning towards wasn't only a physical thing, but he was what it would call a bid, is what he would said. A bid is, he would define it as any, a, any grab for attention, affection, affirmation, or any positive form of connection. And so it could be simple as, honey, how do I look today? Or how, how was your day? Oh, honey, did you see the bird outside? And depending on how the significant other responded, actually set the trajectory to determine whether they, how successful they were, how much problems they had in their marriage. Because see, every time when the, honey would be, the lady would be like, hey, how, how do I look today? And the husband simply turned, oh, you look lovely. She would feel affirmed. And it built a connection. There was an intimacy built. And you'd think that maybe rejecting that bid would actually be worse than missing it. But he actually found that when you missed the bid and you completely didn't even realize what this significant other was saying, you just closed the door. But then when you kind of rejected it, and so if they said, hey, look at this squirrel outside, and you were like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's great, and you kind of rejected it, and you were like, meh, the door was still open because it means you acknowledged that there was a, an attempt for connection and all there had to be was redemption. And then I kind of thought to myself, I realized like this is, this is a way that we kind of connect with everybody around us. I think we're all kind of tossing around, hey, how are you today? How much trying to get a connection with somebody? And then it kind of dawned on me like the Lord kind of wants that intimacy and that connection with us. And how many times do we miss it? See, of course, in, an, in a new relationship, it's kind of awkward at first because you're rubbing shoulders and you don't really know how this person speaks. So you're kind of like, hmm, I don't, I don't understand. I'm not sure their language. I don't know if, how did I look today? I don't know how to answer her. What kind of answer is she looking for? And eventually you figure it out. If you're looking for it. See, the Lord has kind of set this, this ability for us to connect with him. And it's something simply learned if we're looking for it. See, prayer and worship, worship being prayer and song form, or worship being prayer and song form, yes, is that attempt of his connection. That's that bid that the Lord's saying, hey, hey, come. How are you today? Did you see this thing that I did today? In my first year, Eston, there's a there's a worship there's a, a prayer room in the basement, uh, and it's kind of tucked away, 
kind of smells like mold. It's got old rickety chairs, and it's got wood handles. There's no, like, soft places to sleep on purpose because people nap in there because nobody goes down there. But I would spend some time in there because my mentor, he would always say, read your Bible and pray every day. And I'd be like, hey, what does that mean? So I'd sit in there, and I'd be like, I'd be sitting on this chair, and it would rock back and forth. And I was like, man, what am I doing in here? And then one day, I accidentally rocked too far and fell over, and then I broke the lampshade, and then I left it there, broken for a while, because I didn't want to tell anybody. I was kind of ashamed, not going to lie. And then eventually, they, uh, announced, they got everybody together in the chapel, and they're like, hey, guys, who broke this lampshade? We'd like to know. And that was more embarrassing having to get up at front and be like, oh, I, I totally broke the lampshade than it would have been if I just brought it to the office by myself. <laughs> but when I was in there, I was like, Lord, why do I pray? Because I've always, like, he's sovereign, so he's got to cover. And really, why would he answer me? Like, he's pretty busy. He's got a lot of things going on in the world. Why would he answer me? And so then I was like, hey, Lord, I'm looking for an answer. And I just kind of flipped open my Bible. And he's like, oh, read right there. And I'm in Isaiah chapter 38. I was like, what a weird place to read. There's a king in Isaiah 38, Hezekiah. And the prophet Isaiah actually went to Hezekiah. And he said to him, make those of your house ready, for you will die and not live. Hezekiah then was scared. He was like, I don't want to die. So the next verse reads, he turned to the Lord. Oh Lord, I asked, I ask you from my heart to remember me, remember me now, how I have walked with you in truth and with a whole heart. I've done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah cried with a bitter cry. And then the next verse, it says, the, Isaiah the prophet received a word from the Lord. Go and tell Hezekiah, the Lord, the God of your father, David says, I have heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. See, I will add 15 years to your life. Hezekiah wasn't even the greatest king after. It's not like he was saved for like some great thing. He was, a me- he was mediocre. There was even slip-ups afterwards where he didn't do what the Lord asked him to do. But yet this, the Lord still heard his prayer. And that's when I realized, Lord, you do actually answer See, Jesus always pointed to the Father, yet we constantly think Jesus is kind of the final destination. So Jesus came, he lived, he taught us, and then he died, and then he rose again, and now he's in heaven, and okay, I gotta, I gotta figure out a way to survive in this life right now until he comes back. And then we forget that the whole thing, Jesus is actually pointing to the Father. See, since creation, God, God was walking with Adam in the garden. And that's what he was desiring his whole, this whole time. He's been desiring to walk with us. So he sent Jesus to die, raise, go to heaven to send down the Holy Spirit in order for us to have a relationship with Jesus. But I catch myself sometimes getting caught up. Oh, Jesus has done his work. Now I'm saved now I wait for him to return. So, you know, like God's sovereignty, I think it's a thing that we kind of get confused about sometimes. 
But if you look at the sovereignty of a king over his kingdom, he always wants what's best for it. He's making sure there's food. He's making sure they're protected. They're guarded. They're well provided for. And the king has power to come down and do whatever he wants in his kingdom. But a good king doesn't want slaves. See, a good king actually wants his people to like him. And they want him to love, and they want to actually, they want, he, a good king wants his people to follow him because they want to follow him, not because he made them. So if a king always intervened all the time out of what he, out of his own power without his people coming to him, then his people wouldn't feel like they had a free will. And that's kind of how the Lord is. See, he knows that he can, if, he, if he didn't want us to have free will, he could have made us with ro- like robots and puppets. But he wanted people that loved him. So he gave us free will. And with that free will, we can choose him. Because ultimately, God wanted intimacy. See, our prayer is an act of faith. And a faith is an act of obedience. And no act of obedience is without the power of God. God is desiring the intimate relationship with us. And prayer is that key. Prayer is that connection point we make with him. And Jesus knew that prayer was intimacy. So when his disciples asked him, how do we pray, Lord? He answered in a very specific way on purpose. Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us of our debts, as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. See, it kind of sounds old school. A little KGV. Thus saith the Lord, thou shalt not. And because of that like old school feeling to it, it kind of confused me. I was like, Especially because when I read the gospel, I never actually saw Jesus ever pray those exact words. He only said it once. That was to his disciples. And then I started digging deeper. And I realized that every time Jesus prayed, he prayed with the principles of what's in this prayer. See, our Father in heaven, the first line, Jesus points to intimacy. Because in the the actual Greek, it says Abba, Daddy. Daddy is not something you say to just the God, a God. 
It's not something you say to your neighbor half the time. You only say that to your true father. And there's a security in it. There's a security in calling God our father. Or we can like sit in his hand, there's a warmth, an embrace, and we can go, yeah, God, you are our father. Because Jesus knew that without intimacy, our relationships would actually become self-centered. See, if God answered all our prayers the way we wanted them to be answered, whose life would be changed in our lives? Ours or somebody else's? So it's intimacy, our Father in heaven. And then it's hallowed be your name. So it's, Lord, you are close to me. You are close to me, Father. We're intimate. And hallowed be in our name. But, you, Lord, you are, you are king. You are holy. You are pure. You are righteous. But you're set apart from me. See, there's that tension of, like, he's close to us, but he's different than us. He's greater than us, but he's close to us. Jesus was his son, but he had a, a reverence, that deep respect for the Father. And then your kingdom come, your will be done. See, Jesus knew you needed intimacy. You needed to realize, Lord, this is who you are. And then what do you pray for? You pray for heaven to come down. What's going on in heaven right now? There's no sickness. There's no sin. There's no brokenness. There's 24-7 prayer and worship around the throne. See, God designed heaven the way he wanted it. And if God designed heaven the way he wanted it, and he set up worship and prayer around him, constantly looking and gazing upon him, I think that tells us something that stirs his heart. I think that shares to us something that really, that really connects with him. See, there's, there's worship and prayer movements that are blowing up across the world. 24-7 worship and prayer. IHOP, Upper Room, they're all over. With the preface of realization that in heaven it's 24-hour prayer and worship, and that's how you connect to the Father. That's the power. That's what stirs his heart to move. They've realized that this prayer in song form is powerful in the kingdom. It's the people going to the king and going, king, I need this done. And the king coming down and being like, yes, I will do it because you chose me. Because that's what a prayer is. It's I'm choosing you, Father. See, we we want like a 24-7 McDonald's because it's great to get McDonald's at any time of the day. But easily enough, we think 24-7 prayer and worship is kind of useless or it's boring or it's a waste of time. When I realized that, I was like, I got to stop getting junior chickens. Because I craved McDonald's 
a 24-hour McDonald's where I can go anytime more than I crave the 24-7 prayer and worship. And then he goes on, give us this day our daily bread. So there's intimacy, Father in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, but you're, you're, but you're set apart from me. But keep, Father, bring, bring heaven down. Heal us from our sin and brokenness. Let us worship and praise you. But also, Lord, I need to pay rent. Lord, I'm starving and I need food right now. See, I don't think, I, I know I don't. I'm going to be honest. I don't want to know what it's like to not have food. I've been blessed to always have food. I've always thought, I'm hungry, it's go to McDonald's. Open the fridge. But then I realized that couldn't God take all that away if he wanted to? Couldn't it just be like this and now I have no food? He's not going to, but he has the power to. He is the reason why I have never gone without food. So intimacy. He's close, but hallowed be the name. He's far apart. Now bring your heaven down. Heal us. Lord, I need, I need, I need sustenance. I need your bread. And forgive us our sins if we have forgiven our debtors. There's a repentance. It's an act of humbleness. It's an acting, act of turning towards. See, that bid, that, that repentance is key. Because repentance is the, the turning away from what you're doing to turning towards God. Because if you're not turning towards God, you're turning away from him towards something else that is not of God. So without the repentance, you're not actually going towards God. So there's an intimacy, but he's far apart. He's holy. He's bringing heaven down now. Worship, prayer, healing. He's providing for your needs. He's forgiving our sins the moment we ask for repentance. It's not like the government where we order something, we put something in the mail, and you have to wait three weeks. Like, it's, in, it's instant. We get, our, we get our, our forgiveness the moment we say, Lord, I repent. And then he leads us not into temptation. See, Jesus knew he's been tempted. He knew you were going to be tempted. He knew I was going to be tempted. We were going to be tempted. So he didn't pray, okay, take the temptation away. But he prayed, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For he will give us the strength. See, that short little prayer, powerful. Kind of seems a little complex, kind of confusing. But it shows us how to pray. God, you are holy and amazing. I'm amazed at your faithfulness. Amen. Done. That's a prayer. God, I can't pay rent this week. I need, I need finances in your name. Amen. Done. That's a prayer. God, heal this man. In Jesus' name, done. That's a prayer. God, I'm weak. 
There's so much around me pulling me each direction. I don't know where to go. Lord, give me strength in your name. Amen. Done. Because he's calling us for intimacy. He's calling us for intimacy. Because the, the reality is this. The parable of the ten virgins. There's ten virgins and they're waiting outside for the bridegroom to come. Five have enough oil and five don't. And oil is our intimacy. And so the five that have enough oil, they get to go with the bridegroom in to the hall. But there's five that don't have enough oil. And they're trying to get off enough oil from the other people around them. Hey, hey, you have enough. Give us enough. But those five people are like, no, 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 no. I only have enough for me. And so those other five, they leave, going to get oil. And then they come back. The door's closed. And they're banging on the door. Let us in. And the Lord says, I don't know you. Do you have enough oil? God's calling you forward. Come pray. Do it. Watch me answer you. See, prayer is a simple act of talking with God. God will, God will bring because prayer is that connection. And when you connect with somebody, you're in their presence. And when you're in God's presence, it transforms you. When Moses was on the mountain in God's presence, his face glowed because he was in his presence because his presence physically transformed Moses. Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus was disfigured according to some manuscripts because he was in the presence of God. And it transformed him. As I come to, to a close, I ask that you close your eyes with me. Now imagine a world where you're completely at peace right now. A place. Now you're walking with confidence in this place, wherever you're at peace, wherever you feel most at peace. And the world is chaos around you though, but you're still walking in this place of peace. And confidence. And you're calm. You're actually smiling right now. That's intimacy with the Lord. Where you can walk in the midst of chaos. And you can be at complete peace. You can walk with confidence knowing who the Father is. There is peace. There is joy. For those, any, anybody in the room right now, you guys can keep your eyes closed for a little bit. If you haven't accepted Jesus, you haven't accepted this peace or anybody online, I ask that for those in the room, you raise your hand as you want to accept Jesus. And for those online, there should be a button for you to push. I ask that you would, you would say this prayer. Everybody would join me in this prayer. 
Father of heaven and earth. I commit my life to you. For I acknowledge that your ways are higher than mine. Forgive me for my sins. And lead me in your paths. In Jesus' name, amen.